Hey Rockstar, welcome to the Redefine the Hustle podcast. You're tuning in to episode 124, Redefining Your Responsibility as a Performer. Welcome to episode 124. I'm your host, Suze, founder of The Rockstar Advocate and a growth mindset and productivity coach for music industry professionals. Now, I gotta shout out former client Baro Aved, also known as Vertigo, producer and writer who was kind enough to create that amazing new theme music for this podcast. Now, you can check out his work and connect with him on Instagram using the links in the show notes below. Now, my idea for this episode came about after watching Trainwreck, Woodstock 99 on Netflix, and it got me thinking about the role artists play and the responsibility, if at all, they have when on stage. I also thought about the role that they have when they're posting on social media. Now, I've concluded, and this is just my humble opinion, that if you're going to actively work to build a fan base and monetize that fan base in order to continue to share the messages that you care about, you need to own the responsibility for the influence you'll inevitably have over your audience once you've built that trust with them. Now I'll explain my reasoning momentarily. I'm sure you all have varying opinions about this, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my Beat by Beat VIP Day. It's a one day intensive offered to full-time music professionals of all kinds, where we work one-on-one together, building out their custom SOPs or standard operating procedures for three to four systems in their business. Now. What the fuck does that mean? Well, picture a collection of custom checklists and tutorials built according to your specific needs in order for you to streamline your daily admin tasks and even easily train and delegate those tasks to somebody else. Think less about what to post on social media while you have a document outlining all the different steps you have to take, making decision-making a breeze, and taking the guesswork completely out of posting and engaging with your audience. Imagine knowing exactly what to do, or better yet, having your virtual assistant knowing exactly what to do when it comes to maintaining or updating your website when you're preparing for a new release. And we meet and go over the basics at the beginning of the day, and then I send you away for a day of self-care and relaxation with your custom VIP beat by beat box. See what I did there? And then I bring you back to go over your new and improved business backend. Now I walk through this three-phase framework with Jordan Gill, queen of VIP days, in an interview that came out earlier this week. Now you can check it out right here or click the link in the show notes below. Now I've also got a discounted link to attend Jordan's Done in a Day virtual conference September 5th and 6th. So if you're curious about creating your own VIP day offering, or if you think you'll be looking for a VIP day offering for things like photo shoots, web design, copywriting, and more, it is a fabulous networking opportunity that always ends in money-making magic. I can't recommend it enough, and for only $29 with my discount, it's a no-brainer. So if it's something that's piqued your interest, be sure to check out the link in the show notes below. All right, so about a month ago, Netflix released Trainwreck Woodstock 99, a three-part docuseries about the Woodstock remake that many wish never was. Now, I remember being in high school, and I knew a few students who were driving up north to Rome, New York to check this out. 
I stayed back in the comfort of my own home watching it on MTV. Big surprise, I know. And it looked like a shit show, and watching it now more than 20 years later, it feels like an even bigger shit show than I remember it being. For some context, if you're unfamiliar with the event, approximately 250,000 people were in the audience, although there are rumors that about 400,000 people attended in total. The producers of the event grossly underestimated the size of the crowds and the amount of security necessary. They also grossly overcharged the concertgoers and did not provide the experience promised by the first Woodstock. They corporatized what could have been a beautiful weekend of peace and unity, and people were understandably enraged. But also, let's be real, this was the 90s, and many of the concertgoers were entitled middle and upper class white dudes who wanted to party and cause havoc, not come together for peace, love, and harmony in reaction to social issues. I'm not saying young white dudes are to blame for what became of the event, nor am I saying it's the fault of any of the artists. There are a lot of reasons that this event became a literal dumpster fire. But there were a few moments that the artists didn't use their influence to help, and it possibly could have made a difference at some points during the festival. Day one had Wyclef Jean encouraging the crowd to throw their plastic bottles everywhere while he played the Star Spangled Banner. Now was that wrong? I'm not saying any artist's behavior was wrong, and some behavior even spoke volumes to the corporate greed that was going on. But let's face it, these artists were pretty fairly compensated for being there, so they aren't exactly martyrs for the cause. Later that evening, the band Bush saw how crazy the crowd was getting after Korn performed. And frontman Gavin Rosdale said in the docuseries, I'm fully aware that half the people maybe were kind of more enamored watching Korn. You don't always know what's going to happen. When that happens, you've got to change people's emotions. We rather more arm in arm than bashing the shit out of one another. It's what we promote, it's what we like. He took to that stage and he brought a blanket of calm over the audience and everybody continued to enjoy the show. On day two, Limp Biscuit was coming on stage when they knew the crowds were getting out of control. They then performed Break Stuff, one of my favorite songs from back in the day, when the crowd was described as a hand grenade ready to explode. And was that the best move at that moment? Reporter Dave Blaustein of ABC explained how you could see on Fred Durst's face this battle between his id, ego, and superego as he made the decision on stage to amp the crowd up even further. He explains how he could see Fred's face was registering that things were escalating, but in a split second his superego went over and he decided to amp the crowd up even more to the extreme. And finally, on day three, one of my favorite bands, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, closed the festival and were asked halfway through their set by the mayor to calm the crowd, as firefighters were not able to cut through the rioting to quell a large fire that had broken out. And not only did Anthony Kiedis allegedly say that they had no power over the crowd, he went on stage and proceeded to begin to sing Fire, or as we know it, Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire, and then even more fires began erupting. Now, was it the fault of the Red Hot Chili Peppers for the fires breaking out? No, it was likely due to the producers of the event who were dumb enough to think that it was smart to hand out over 200,000 candles to an angry mob in hopes of having some peaceful moment of reflection at the show. And they failed to have proper security or EMT resources on site. But the decision of the Red Hot Chili Peppers to sing fire didn't exactly help things. And it got me thinking about the influence that artists can have even long before they reach mainstream superstar status. 
I've seen artists on Instagram with a few hundred or a small thousand followers create real impact with their messaging. I've witnessed a band playing to 20 people in a room, getting them all to sway back and forth in unison, and even get them quiet enough that you could hear a pin drop. I've seen indie fans hang on an artist's every word or wait for the entire room to clear after a conference performance just to get an autograph and photo with the artist. You do not have to be a major label artist to have influence over your followers, and I wanted to open up a conversation around the responsibility any of us bear as we grow and monetize our following. I started to think back to the movie Selena. You know, the one with Jennifer Lopez. Selena was a Tejano music superstar who was taken from us too soon in the 90s. Now, in the movie, Jennifer Lopez performs in a very watered-down version of an extremely dangerous concert situation where a stage begins to collapse due to an overexcited crowd in a real show that happened in Dallas, Texas in 1994. Now, if you want to see footage of the actual concert and how the real Selena handled it, I left a link below to that footage. Be sure to check it out in the show notes. In 1993, Nirvana stopped playing to address sexual harassment that was happening in the crowd. And in 1997, Rage Against the Machine did the exact same thing. More recently, artists like Adele and Billie Eilish have stopped shows to make sure that fans got to safety, and plenty of other artists have done the same since. Unfortunately, Travis Scott last year played Astroworld Festival, where a total of 10 people ultimately lost their lives, even after the crowd tried to control the artist by asking them to stop playing to no avail. Now, I'm not blaming Travis Scott. Who knows what was going on on stage? And I, I honestly haven't researched that particular incident that closely. There's a lot happening when you're on stage. You can't see often what's even going on in the crowd. And when you get to a level where you have promoters and corporate hacks demanding that you go on with a show, giving little attention to the safety of the concert goers, it can be very difficult to understand what's happening in the moment. That's why you as the artist better be pretty well versed in standing your ground before you even get to that point. It can be extremely difficult not to be swayed and convinced by a large entourage when they want something from you. Practicing what you preach now matters. It can also be difficult to notice what's going on in the crowd, which is why it's important as you start to build your shows now to learn what to watch out for. And same goes for online trolling. You may be good at ignoring trolls when they come for you, but what happens when they come for others in the comments of your posts? I'm not saying you're responsible for policing all of your content 24 seven, but now's the time to decide what type of artist you want to be and what type of following you want to build not just in numbers, but in character as well. Now, here are a few steps you can take to start. First, when it comes to online content, determine the type of environment you're trying to build with your audience and what steps you're willing to take when someone threatens that environment. Decide what scars you're willing to share, not wounds. Remember, I've said before, you don't wanna start sharing things that you haven't yet healed from. Your audience is not responsible for healing you. That takes place offline with trusted people in your life. You wanna be a leader in your community. So how can you build that trust and build your influence in areas you've already been supported in? Don't try to lead in areas that you're still healing in. It can be very dangerous. Somebody can get truly hurt when you're not properly trained to deal with those situations. When it comes to live performances, work into your show ways you'll be able to pay attention to the audience and engage with them in order to remain alert as to how people are experiencing your show. 
Don't rely on security or the venue. Be a good host for your fans and potential new fans. Now, I'm not saying you have to take their drink orders, but are they being cared for? Is there safety going on below? Are people getting sexually harassed? This will take practice, but don't give up. When it comes to larger performances, be clear with the venue so that you know what's being done to provide a safe experience. Know who you need to call upon in case of an emergency. Now, if you want to be further prepared, a very good friend of mine, Jim Digby and his team, have an amazing arsenal of tools over at eventssafetyalliance.org. They have an incredible toolbox of resources, trainings, and certification programs. The link is in the show notes below. I highly recommend checking them out. And lastly, continue to work at your craft as a performer, not just a musician. Know how to bond emotionally with your audience and work at owning the room. Now, Hypebot has a great list of ways to own the room. I've put a link to their article below in the show notes. These are tips that I thought of on my own that I believe are important to be clear on as you work at building a following. It can feel like a lot, but a simple 20 to 30 minute reflection can help you get clarity on a lot of this and simply enforce it moving forward. I'm in no way suggesting that you're responsible for the actions your followers take or the things that they say, at least not legally. However, I do believe that with power comes responsibility. And I personally believe in a moral obligation to lead and influence your audience in a way that will keep them from undue harm to the best of your ability. And if you don't want that responsibility, maybe you don't deserve the audience. I'm not saying that you're responsible to tell people what to think or what to wear or how to act and so on. I'm just saying be aware that your own actions and words can have an impact. And on some level, you are in control of what type of impact you want that to be. It's certainly important to have those times where you can go to a show and lose control, rage against corporations, and get out your anger and anxiety and anything else that you're feeling at the moment. But where does the line get drawn? And who's responsible for drawing that line? So I'd love to know what you agree or disagree with when it comes to the things that I've shared in today's episode. Please comment below and let's keep the conversation going. Maybe it'll even lead to a follow-up episode. If your argument is compelling enough, I may even ask you to be on a future episode and dive deeper into this topic. Now, before I go, I want to share my redefining moment of the week. This one goes out to knowing your limits. Now, last week, approximately 7,500 people have seen by now that I sprained my ankle while attempting to film a reel for Instagram. Now, if you're not one of those people, you can go check out my big faux pas on my Instagram page, Rockstar Advo. Now it's fine and I'm getting better, but I had to cancel some of my plans last week and slow down a bit, which I did not like. And I was of course frustrated and I even pushed myself harder than I probably should have. But I did cancel a few travel plans that I had and took some rain checks on meeting up with people that I really wanted to see. I also had to move a few appointments to give myself time to heal. And wouldn't you know, people were more than understanding. In fact, I'm sure some of them are probably relieved as we all have chaotic lives that we're all trying to balance and one less thing for them to commit to was probably a gift. And while I did feel bad, it was a good reminder that things can wait and that people will be understanding about it. No one made me feel as if I failed them and while people did laugh at my blunder, they of course sent me well wishes and we were able to laugh at it together. It looked ridiculous. Life never misses an opportunity to happen. So whether you've fallen and you can't get up or you're simply having an off day, don't be afraid to tell people what you need or say no to certain requests at the moment. It's all good. Until next time, I'll now leave you with some 
fabulous outro music. I thank you for tuning in. Feel free to share any redefining moment you've recently experienced in the comments below. I'd love to hear about it. Thanks and take care.